2: folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're uh, going we to talk about an interesting topic that we've, that we've kind of had as a sidelight on other shows about drafting premium positions in round one of the NFL draft. Here to join me is Vas Laricos. how are you doing? I'm doing well. Looking forward to day two. Uh, got a lot of action last night, maybe more than we expected. It was, a, it was outrageous. Uh, you know, it, uh, it was a by-the-chalk draft pretty much from who was drafted in the first round. The only Cole Strange pick, extraordinarily strange to me. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a guy who I actually, in, in watching the one game for Kentucky, I, I didn't really like very much.
0: Uh, uh, yes, that was probably the one big outlier of the class. I thought um, the guard, uh, Kenyon Green, went a little high, but it mm-hmm. was very chalky, I thought.
2: Yeah. In, in terms of, uh, you know, the, we, we, I know that, uh, Jason of a lot of films was very proud of his big board. And he should be because a thir- I believe all, but one of the picks were in his top 39 guys mm-hmm. on the, on the board. So, you know, obviously it did, did, did quite well in that. There were some people who had some funny people in round one, but, uh, but the Cole strange pick is just, it's, it's an eyeball. I, you know, I would have picked him that would have, Said he was a late third, fourth round pick kind of thing, and and you know to, to have him show up. It's Mayock is out of the league, but somebody else is taking his place. It looks like. So, by the yeah. way, don't don't know if you saw this. The the Raiders who had three first round picks in 2019, all three of them are not getting the fifth year option. Right, right. Okay.
0: Yep, that was a tough draft for sure.
2: That was the, <laughs> yeah, where he took Farrell at number Farrell four. number four. Yeah, probably could have had him ten spots later.
0: Yes, yes. I thought maybe he was going to slip to the Ravens. I think they were in the 20s that year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
2: that's a fair thing. All right. So so our topic is a little bit different, though. And and let's go back through the offseason in terms of what the Ravens' needs are because they entered this draft. And, and, in fact, they entered free agency with a need to still find their free safety, which they did address in free safety. A rare early move for the Ravens in terms of, of getting a guy on a big contract free safety.
0: Uh, yes, I was a huge proponent of the Marcus Williams addition. I still am. I think a free safety with range is a rare skill set that is mm-hmm. worth paying a premium for. And I thought that after watching last year, their pass defense was probably the weakest phase of the game, certainly contributed by injuries. But having
2: a ball hawk on the back end should really help improve that area. Yep. Very excited about that. I, I, you know, They still have uh, a shortage of quality corners, I think we we would say. Uh, It looks to me like uh, Stevens has been moved to cornerback, but the cornerback position uh, is still one where they, where they don't have the room full. And I think we'd also agree that's a premium position in terms of a place you'd expect to have to spend a high draft pick to get a quality player.
0: I certainly agree with that as well. One of the highest paid positions in the league. I think there's probably five bona fide premium positions and there is a little bit of gray area, but if you think through the Ravens history, uh, Just comparing cornerback to other positions, scarcity plays a part in the premium position uh, analysis. They have not unearthed very many late round or UDFA corners in comparison to other positions.
2: Right, I'd have to go through that and think about that, but I think you're correct. I mean, Tavon Young was a a slot corner who was who was good when he was able to make on the field. Ladarius Webb was a three. Yes. Third rounder, yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And and if you go to, – have gotten players like Maurice Kennedy, who was not bad, but you know didn't play a significant role for the Ravens. Anthony Averett was a four. They've, they've had a few, but I'm not, I'm not. I wouldn't argue with you. And and largely, I mean, the the, the biggest. Uh, value move the Ravens had made in recent years until last night was Marlon Humphrey. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought this is why are we drafting a cornerback? Well, because he's the best player.
0: Yes, I I have a slightly different recollection of the needs that year. And I thought corner was a big need. I actually mocked Humphrey. Uh, But again, I think you can never have too many
2: corners. So that applies there. All righty. So the Ravens, uh, they, they, you know, EDC is often compared the cornerback position to pitcher, that they have a lot of injuries. You need to have a good, you know, a good number of backup players. Um, you know, it makes, it, it's, a, it's a topic for a whole nother pod. But in watching the 2000 Ravens play defense, Starks and McAllister did not approach the pile very often. They just they're, they're not active tacklers, which is, I think, obviously, they're being told to do that and and seemed like a very good strategy at the time
0: absolutely uh, Starks in particular throughout his career was uh, a business decision type of cornerback mm-hmm. uh,
2: you know uh, does not get enough love in this town for, for who he was I mean I know he's number 10 pick and whatnot, but uh, uh, had four fan- five five fan- hmm, no he did only have four fantastic years with him. was 98 to 2001 right excellent ball production for, yeah. for that position so all right, let's. Uh, uh, we're still talking about like positions of need going into this draft, and obviously the Ravens needing edge rushers, needing cornerbacks, uh, needing uh, a left tackle. You know, um, uh, did did not address those needs directly, and then of course trading Marquise Brown now now makes wide receiver a position of need for the remainder of this draft. I think we would agree.
0: Yes, absolutely but- agree, and just to. Go back to the previous point, you know, we dissected and analyzed what the Ravens could do in the first round, in the second round, third round, and began the process after the first wave thinking cornerback, edge rusher, left tackle mm-hmm. were the three pressing needs. Uh, maybe left tackle, maybe not quite as pressing depending on Ronnie, but they entered the draft the same way um, and they still have not addressed and, and they've added, added another need
2: now right and and uh, the one position where they've definitely seem to have missed the boat in this draft uh, to my way of thinking, anyway, on a ready to play day, one left tackle uh, is at left tackle, where where the, a ready to play guy is not really available anymore. I, what, whatever people think about Trevor Penning, he was certainly the fourth best left tackle in this draft, and he got taken fourth. The top three guys would have loved for one of them to fall. It didn't happen. Uh, you know, we watched it a very chalky top ten go in terms of of who was taken before the wide receiver run got started, um, and then and then uh, you know the, the guys you're left with. Tyler Smith went very early, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're left with a a bunch of left tackles who all have significant question marks about whether they can even play the position at the NFL level. Ryman and Deitch with very short arms. Other guys who were primarily right tackle slash guard guys like Darian Kennard, who I think will be a good guard, but but it's not a tackle. Uh, You know, a, a bunch of guys who have real question marks. And you're left maybe looking... Early fourth round, late third round at guys like, or maybe even a seventy-six. At players like Rasheed Walker, who I, I don't really love by by any stretch, but he might be you know the backup tackle you want.
0: Uh, yes, I kind of pegged Walker as a potential pick at, at one hundred mm-hmm. uh, going into this. Into this, so, there's a few other guys. Well, let's go, but I mean it's mostly developmental players. I think right. Walker might be the last one who could you know expect immediate contributions and and that may even be a stretch
2: right the you, do you have a developmental guy you like cuz i think it'll end up being a developmental left tackle and and i'll give you my guy is obinna easy of tcu yes
0: um i like easy for sure uh there's a couple well let's go um i would say max mitchell potentially mm-hmm. but he might not be uh rosenthal has some some appeal to him but it's just
2: difficult to, uh, to to make that transition to left tackle for sure. All right. All right, so fair enough. So now uh, we've talked about the positions of need. Obviously cornerback the ball did not the, the, the board did not fall to them. Without the, you know, the thought that they might have taken Booth and who has some significant injury flags, a lot of people love him, and I understand it. he's a very good cornerback. Uh, Kair Ilum, uh did not did not fall in the appropriate range for them, right? Because they he was already gone by the time they, they could pick to twenty five, right?
0: They traded that pick to Buffalo, who took him the tw- at twenty
2: three. Okay, good point. So they could have taken him at twenty three. Mm-hmm. That would have been an option. Um so they they obviously thought you know we'd rather have Linderbond than the quarter um at that exact point.
0: Yeah, and I think the Hamilton pick is is not a direct replacement for a quarterback, certainly, but it does have some some supplemental uh, value potentially as a as more three safeties on the field as a big mm-hmm. nickel or a dime. So I would say it's slightly supported but not bolstered to the level that I
2: think it needs to be going into the season. Right. It's it, it, it's going to be a fun year for a guy who loves dying defense. Let me just say that. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be a fun year to talk about it going in because we're guessing. I mean, Mike McDonald is a, is an unknown in terms of what he really wants to try and do with this defense. I mean, there's been talk about going to a 4-3, which they don't have the personnel for right now, but but could be eventually something they try and do. But, you know, what's really now is an extreme You know, seven DB packages are completely supported by the current roster. Um, If they don't make a move to get an inside linebacker, I think you're even more in that position uh, that that you'd like to do that. But let's kind of tie this together, because what we really intended to do with this pod was to kind of compare and contrast the, the search for value with the need to use your early picks on premium positions because of basically a limited size and shape pool. At those positions so what would give me your overarching thoughts about that from the first day
0: so I think premium positions should be picked in the early rounds for two main reasons there's a tremendous value to having a premium position player on a rookie contract in comparison to what you would pay pay a comparable veteran on the the open market Uh, premium positions are obviously at a premium Uh, the same goes for the draft as well Premium position players often are pushed up the draft board because teams value those positions again and other positions fall. So it becomes a, 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 not only a benefit to a secure one of those players for the salary cap benefit of it, but also because it's harder to find those guys later in the draft or even as a bargain free agent
2: signing. Yeah, completely agree, and and you and I are lockstep on this. There are franchise building topics where we have some disagreement, but but we're completely in lockstep on on that. That uh, you know, one of the nice things about about picking up Marcus Williams was it had addressed a need at a value position with a, a significant amount of cap, but it, it put the Ravens in a better position to not have to fill that spot in the draft um, and have a good player there for five years. So I, I was very excited about it from that perspective.
0: Sure, and walking into day 1, you figured okay, they have three big needs. They're all premium positions. The the stars are aligning here. Um but there's still there but there's still there's still more picks to go, but they didn't quite align maybe the way we thought.
2: No, it's it's uh, it's actually very strange because uh, in their in their quest for value, which I think they did an incredible job of, they actually created an additional position of need <laughs> uh, right. overnight. The premium position, <laughs> yes, at a, at a premium position. So, uh, uh, you know uh, the the hunt for value in this draft. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about this in in more um, specific terms in a JJ chart value that I'm doing with a, with another person here, here fairly shortly. But uh, uh, it's it's a marvelous value day and a difficult premium position day. And it kind of leaves us wondering a little bit, you know, who is going to be the cornerback who can take over? Hopefully they can identify that guy in a, you know, with a fourth round pick. I mean, ideally, or or those two guys with a fourth round pick, you know, you draft two Anthony Averitts in the fourth round. Okay. I got no problem. I, mm-hmm. I think that that would be great. Um, and, and maybe it's a, it's Tavon Young and Anthony Averitt you actually draft because you want an outside and a slot guy.
0: Uh, Yes, still have some work to do. There are several corners in this class that have the the, the length to play on the outside. There's also – it's also a good class for for slot types. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they probably could find a a fourth rounder. But, again, it's – basically there's five premium positions on the field, right? Quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, uh, pass rusher, I'll say, and then corner. And they have quarterback figured out, but the other four – Still need a little work
2: yeah they have, they have two good they have two good corners we can we can fairly say obviously we have oh, concerns okay. coming off injury but but they they 're short one of their of their corners and when you 're only short when you 're short one corner, you can really think of yourself as probably being short three corners <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of how injuries occur at the position uh, do you think last night 's activity uh, there are a couple of Individual losers, I think, on the Ravens. But the, but the, the individual changers, I'll say, the, the, the biggest two, to me, are Stevens, who now is clearly a cornerback and not a safety. Mm-hmm. And Stone, who is, I think, will be the fifth safety on this team. On a team that plays a, a fair amount of four safety packages, I think he still has a role, but uh, he definitely lost his, his dime spot with the draft of Kyle Hamilton. I don't think Clark is actually going to miss a lot of playing time from this. I think he'll still be the... Um, the starting strong safety.
0: Yes, I agree. I think Clark will be starting strong safety. will come down uh, to play the uh, the dime back role. I think he's probably mm-hmm. better in man coverage on tight ends than Hamilton will be this coming year. Um, Stevens, I, I liked what I saw at times from him, uh, specifically around the line of scrimmage, coming forward as in playing like an overhang linebacker type of uh type of position. Uh, but again, we saw that chart a few weeks back. I think last time we recorded that uh, he did not fare well in, in coverage against the slot. So hopefully in offseason where he has a defined position now, he'll be able to, to lock down that technique.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's a big point about Stevens is that he, he could really benefit from that in college. He he certainly didn't have that. And I don't want to start making excuses like everybody's made excuses for first year players coming out in the COVID year that they didn't have the practice or coming out of college that they were drafted young and they only had six games at their position or whatever. Patrick Queen, a lot of that is applied to. Uh, I, I, I don't want to make excuses for these guys forever, but Stevens is an extraordinarily versatile player. Uh, in college, who was asked to do a lot of things on a by series basis. Now, when I say that within the same series, he was playing two and three different positions occasionally. Uh, it, very hard to find on the, F- on the field for SMU. Uh, I think if he, if he moves strictly to outside corner, he could succeed there as well.
0: I actually think that might be his best spot. You know, mm-hmm. he has the, the, the length for it and uh, and the strength for it. So, That that also opens up an opportunity where you can have maybe a a Marcus Jones from Houston or Mm -hmm. one of the other slot types are more likely to be there in the fourth round than the really coveted pressman
2: outside types in the third round. Those those guys, the aircraft carrier is always in demand. The Ravens do a wonderful job of of keeping a stash of them. They certainly have that with Peters and and with uh, uh, Humphrey. But uh, but it is harder to get those outside guys. So more more teams like develop an entire stable of slot ponies that they hope can help them on the outside mm-hmm. as well. And it's 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 usually um, that that technique has its problems. I think if you don't really draft for length, you, you, you usually at a lot of positions, frankly, um, are, are limiting yourself. It's a game of inches, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So, uh, so anyway, the second pick, uh, the Hamilton pick, I think, uh, I don't know how you felt about it, but I, I was very excited about the pick when it, when it happened just because it's such a value gain. It's, you can't turn it down.
0: Yes, I was completely on board with the pick. I was actually having a discussion with Dev, uh, I think he's a friend of your show as well. Sure. Uh, Yesterday, before the draft, Jordan Davis versus Kyle Hamilton, and I was on the side of Hamilton, and he was on the side of Davis. And uh, Davis obviously went before, but I I would have taken Hamilton over
2: Davis personally. It would have been an interesting call for the Ravens at 14 if it was Davis and Hamilton. Obviously, Davis also not at a, at a premium position, which was one of the issues I had with drafting at 14. But on the other hand, I think he can do more for your pass rush than a lot of players. I think he's like Halodi Nada in being a, a, a human of such extraordinary size that he creates double teams on the inside and allows you to win one-on-one matchups elsewhere and win scheme rushes elsewhere.
0: Yes, I was. I was fine with Davis. I wouldn't have been unhappy with the pick, but splitting hairs between the two 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 of probably the biggest unicorns in this class yep. as far as a six foot four safety with with range and instincts versus a monstrous tackle who has the athleticism to to penetrate in the backfield at the same time. Uh, but both very good talents, and I was
2: I was certainly pleased by the Hamilton pick. All right, all right, outstanding. So anyway, we get we get the Hamilton pick is is. One from a value perspective, we live with again not a position, uh, not a premium position, but we move on to number two, and or at least it's not a premium position the Ravens didn't have filled. Let's put it that way. Okay. Now, Hamilton, I think, will be a ball hawk. They probably have some rotational things they can do on the back end that would create a robber and ball hawk situation. On you know, robber is in a way about ball hawk because he's coming in and he's trying to make a play in a specific. Spot in the field, anticipate a route. But if you still have a back end guy with range there, you really give yourself multiple opportunities to to get interceptions on the back end.
0: Yes, McDonald's going to have a a entire playbook uh, unlocked to him with with deception and and just versatility. I'm, I'm really excited to see. I think it's a forward thinking pick because I think we've talked about this many times. The league is transitioning towards. More safeties and defensive backs on the field and less linebackers. And I think taking Hamilton takes away the need to to maybe take a linebacker in this class. Uh, they have every linebacker from last year returning, so it's not like they lost a player. So
2: it's not bored, I have to say. Feel exactly the same way about that. I mean, you're obviously with Chuck Clark getting additional snaps a dime because you want to play three safeties. I mean, it forces the Ravens into a three into dime looks on third down. There's no more of this two, two inside linebacker crapola on third down. I never liked it, but I really hate it now given the Ravens personnel. And in fact, I think all inside linebackers come off the field on passing downs because I think Tony Jefferson or Stone, I mean, you have lots of other options that make sense. To, to get that guy on the field on third down.
0: Yeah, and your safeties can fill against the run. So you're not – I think what you're gaining is more than what you're losing. Yeah.
2: All right, outstanding. So the second pick we come along and we say, boy, a, a position of need or, or a premium position ought to be addressed at this pick. But I think Tyler Smith was already off the board. Uh, and also, kind of, kind of a reach, frankly, in the first round, in my opinion. Uh, you have uh, Elam. Uh, we, we you, you mentioned, would have been an opportunity at twenty-three, but they they went for a, a pick that they thought was a real value in, in uh, Tyler Niederball.
0: Mm-hmm. I was surprised by this pick. I did not think he was a great scheme fit. I think he's a little bit undersized, um, and I, I think I still have a little PTSD from the Jeremy Zutta years. I think he's going to be need a little bit of help. Against uh, you know those big strapping one techs in pass protection, and I think his benefit to the uh, to the running game as far as being able to get out in space and get the second level um, is going to have to rework the type of play calls a little bit to to take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think um, one of the one of the things that might be underrated is because the Ravens use motion so much with their tight end and their fullback, and often have Ricard in motion seven heavies on the field, opportunity to uh, get a double team in the middle with players like Boyle or Ricard, who are excellent blockers. It really gives you an opportunity to scheme two guys, two of your linemen, into level two to make blocks on the same play, and so it's something I chart level two blocks as among the offensive line scoring I do. And one of the things you notice is that a lot of plays have one. It's it's fairly rare to get two guys that have a level two block on the same, but the Ravens can do it with their current way of motioning to the interior. And you see it on, on almost every play. Sometimes they wait for the ball to be passed. Sometimes it's when, it, when it's in front. But it's oftentimes they're they're giving an opportunity for a block to be made in the middle, a double team be set up, where one of your linemen could be the guy to get to level two. Or maybe it's Boyle. But either way, Linderbaum would be getting the help he would need uh, in terms of run blocking or be the guy who's, who's climbing uh, on those plays.
0: Yeah, and he's a very polished player. Um, mm-hmm. Our friend uh, Garnett. Was uh, that's was his? He wanted him at fourteen. Yeah. So, uh, so I think it's going to end up being a, a benefit to the team. Certainly, I think he's an upgrade over McCary. I'm not sure how great of an upgrade he is over McCary. Um, would be the question, and also the fact that you lost a playmaker um,
2: was was you know you had to give up Hollywood Brown to secure him. Now I love Garnett, uh, and and uh, I I respect his his uh, valuation. Of uh, of Linderbaum. And, and personally, I, I the guy I would have liked who I think has a lot of Linderbaum's characteristics and quickness and whatnot. And is longer is Zach Tom. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people project him a tackle and he might get overdrafted. We may see him go on uh, early on day two. And, and uh, um, you know, that that would be too high a price to pay for it. But I would I would have thought as a early day three pick. Zach Tom would have made a lot of sense, and there are other guys. Cole Strange was in this group too, by the way, of guys who who had a little bit of length who could move to center, um, and it would and that position would make more sense for him. But uh, there's other guys I like in the fourth round as well. Luke Fortner could be a guy who who goes, and I really like him. So I, I, that's the reason I didn't like the Linderbaum pick as much was just because while it well I think it's a value pick in terms of how good the player is. I just think that the the, the next tier of centers is not that far behind. In terms of of what you get,
0: I agree. I had Fortner. I have a third round grade on Fortner, so mm-hmm. uh, I agree with that for sure. Uh, it's just that, you know, Eric DeCosta has mentioned several times that they prefer the bigger, bigger body players on their offensive line, uh, and they also have a long history of of getting finding centers in the middle rounds or through mm-hmm. UDFA. And I thought that was a good strategy, but uh, looks like apparently they want to go in a different direction. So. We'll see how that changes Greg Roman, uh, and I would assume Linderbaum will probably uh, be in Baltimore longer than Roman. So maybe what that uh, uh, portends about the future uh, scheme.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Is that he, he likely will? You don't know, normally think of that necessarily being true with coaches, but in, I mean Linderbaum is going to be here for five years if things work out, and at a minimum, and then after that, uh, I don't, I, I think we'd have to take the under on five years of Roman in Baltimore. And if he's, if he's an unsuccessful, he'll be gone. If he's successful, he'll be a head coach somewhere.
0: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> All
2: right.
0: All so right so, guess, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ken. No, you please. Yeah, I think the overall idea, I, I, we've discussed the Raven strategy several times, and um, I'm probably a little bit more aggressive or prefer a little bit more aggressive cap management style um and a little bit more of a short term thinking. But I thought that the Ravens could sort of thread the needle between staying competitive every season, being prudent, um in, in free agency but but also building that complete sort of Juggernaut type of team. Um if they prioritize premium positions early on, uh and they had not done so far, and it's it's there's several players I like on day two. I think they're going to get a very good player at 45 that fills mm-hmm. one of the needs, but they they still have you know they I don't think they're going to
2: fill all of them. Right, it's, they're they're going to end up with some unfilled need. It might be a wide receiver, frankly, uh, or or they'll you know get a fourth round wide receiver that nobody is sure about, and uh, you know we'll have to we'll have to just see how that plays out. Whatever wh- whoever they get in the fourth round, any position, they, that player will have some limitation. And I, that it's all about. This was something I really appreciated about early Bill James books, the Baseball Abstract, when it first came out. Uh, is that is that he used to talk about what marginal players can you use in in your ballpark, for example? And and with the Ravens, it's you know what what or with football in general, what marginal players can you deal with their weaknesses within your scheme? And Ravens have done a marvelous job of identifying. Uh, who those players are over the years. It's why they are, are consistently considered winning the draft. Is because they 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 bring in guys that that will fit in their system and minimize their weaknesses within that system.
0: Yes, yes. I think it's about finding their efficiencies. So that I thought they had an efficiency at, at center. Mm-hmm. Um, so to take a center there after you're trading away your best wide receiver. Is a little bit questionable. I think the same could probably be said about the J.K. Dobbins pick two years ago when they traded Hayden Hurst and took a running back in the second round where I thought they had an efficiency of, of finding Gus Edwards types at the mm-hmm. same time.
2: Yeah, good point. So uh, uh, that uh, that didn't work out for them this last year. It was a very special COVID year that they weren't able to uh, filter through the scrap heap and find guys who were really particularly good. They ended up going with a bunch of older uh, running backs. But, but I agree with you in general. I, w- I want the Ravens to play that game. I want the Ravens to find uh dime backs cheaply because that, that means you don't look for, you don't have to look for three down unicorn inside linebackers. You know, like, they're, they're, they've just, they've got a good philosophy on how to, how to do things. Uh, Voss, always appreciate having you on here. And, and you know, this, this uh, um, never-ending struggle between uh, premium positions and value is always one of the most interesting and compelling stories of the draft for me. Uh, any other final thoughts?
0: Um, just uh, It just seems like they're constantly treading water in a way because they seem to – like they lost Matthew Judon last year and then they uh, drafted o- Odafe away. Uh, it, it it's almost like they're treading water. So they finally ha- have Rashad Bateman, so they have two bona fide receivers, and then they trade away Hollywood Brown. I, I wish there was a better way to try to just uh, add to a strength instead of having to replace a good player with another player. If they could find a way to add at those premium positions, I think that would probably push them a little bit further in the playoffs.
2: Uh, and I'll I'll say one thing with regard to that is that regardless of who they end up losing the Ravens as a team that drafts well are always going to have to make the heartbreaking decisions that come with that fifth year or the or the sixth year for a first round pick. You know what I mean. That have to let good players go to free agency. It's it's the nature of the beast when you draft as well as the Ravens do over over a very long period of time. And all I'll say to, to the fans out there is that's the good problem to have. The bad problem to have is you don't have anybody from that draft class to do. And and you give Marcus Brown Marquise Brown maybe a huge contract because he's the only guy from that class who's still standing. Or you you know you. The much better problem to have, obviously, is you draft. You know, a draft like the two thousand eighteen Ravens, you have many poor players that you could set, and you have to unstack that draft by trading Hayden Hurst, by trading Brown, uh, Orlando. I'm talking about in this particular case, and by just making prudent choices, and, and you end up with Andrews and and um, uh, Lamar being the two guys you're able to keep from it.
0: Yeah, it's a certainly a tough decision. At the end of the day, though, I still do think that it's more efficient to draft premium positions early and to focus the, the cap, the way you allocate the cap resources towards those because I think just as far as the scarcity of the positions and the amount of impact they have uh, on the field, I do think prioritizing them is the way where the Ravens can contend every season and also have those really high-end teams that don't need so many bounces and breaks to make a deep run.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Voss, outstanding having you on. Tell folks where they can find your work.
0: Yeah. So, I'm at Baltimore Beatdown. I'm the co-managing editor. We're deep in our busiest weekend of the year with a lot of content and podcasts and articles And I'm also at Twitter at Vasili's Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. Thank you for having me, Ken.
2: All right. Outstanding. Always a pleasure to have you, Vas. Other folks out there, if you'd like to get on a show uh, with me, just DM me on Twitter. Tweets are open and uh, DMs are open. Love to hear from you. We'll discuss something. These get turned around very quickly, particularly this time of year when uh, I seem to be doing pods about uh, 12 straight hours, it seems like. But anyway, uh, Vas, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Go Ravens. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.